Amen. Thank you, worship team. Good morning, Sunset Hills Baptist Church. How are we doing this morning? Amen. Glory to his name. This is Psalm chapter 50. The Lord, the mighty one, is God, and he has spoken. He has summoned all humanity from where the sun rises to where it sets. From Mount Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines in glorious radiance. And we celebrate his glory today. Isn't it beautiful outside today? It's beautiful on this first day of May. If you're a guest with us this morning, we're so glad that you're here. And if uh, you would, please, on the way out, stop by our welcome desk. We would love to meet you and figure out how best to serve you and your family as we get to know you better. And if you're watching on our live stream, good morning. We're so glad to have you with us as well. And uh, if you want to leave us a, a comment in the uh, comment section about yourself, we'd love to get in touch with you as well. Or you can text the word hi to our church number, 615 776 1807. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord this morning, isn't it? Amen. Worship team, continue to lead us. All right. Hey, we're going to ask you to go ahead and be seated. And uh, Sandy this morning is going to introduce a brand new song. It kind of has a different vibe to it. But we just want to ask you this morning to allow God to use these words to prepare your heart for worship this morning. Yes, and if you catch on really quickly, please feel free to sing along. It's a very simple song, and if not, please just let these words be your prayer today. All our eyes on you, Lord. All our hope in you, Lord. All our trust in you, Lord. All we want is you, Lord. Trust in you, Lord. 
Amen. You like that song? Yeah. I hope that's your prayer this week, that your life is truly better when we follow him. Hey, stand with us as we continue to worship. Is he worthy? 
so honored this morning to be able to be in your presence. God, my prayer today is that, God, we would realize that life is better with you. So God, here for these next few moments, Lord, I just pray that we would be able just to set things out of our mind, our plans for the day, our plans for the week, that God, we could just honor you here just for these few, few moments, God, that we would give you our full undivided attention. God, I feel like you have something that is life-changing that you wanna speak to our hearts this morning. So God, let us tune into that word. And God, when you speak to our hearts, because God, I know that you are, let us be bold and, and obedient, God, to your calling and whatever you've called us to do. Lord, we love you. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. If you ever find yourself in a time where you just need to spend some time with God and worship, I encourage you to go back to our Facebook page or to our website and find today's worship music and just listen to it again and I think you will find yourself in a spirit of worship for sure. Thank you worship team for leading us this morning. Have you ever considered just how magnificent the gift of communication is to humanity? Our ability to talk and listen to one another when we choose to do it is remarkable. When you stop and think about language, it really is beautiful. I'm just curious, do you know how many different languages are being spoken in the world today? And I don't go looking it up on uh, the internet, but does anybody want to take a guess as to how many different languages there are being spoken in the world today? If you, if you just want to take a guess, just... I hear 30, I hear 6,000, 7, 175, well, all of you are wrong. According to Ethnologue, there are approximately 7,111 languages being spoken today. But the number, according to this, is constantly fluctuating and this does not include dialects either, okay? So here in Middle Tennessee and the South, we definitely speak a different language from people in Boston, right? Amen. A better language, right? I don't mean to insult anybody from Boston. Yeah, actually I do, so there you go. <laughs> I only know one language, the English language. Of course, you know that because you are understanding everything that I'm saying so far, right? And because English is the common language that we're using today, have you ever considered the power of words, what would be uh, the powerful words in our English language? In fact, what would you say is the most powerful English word 
that is spoken. Now, there are a lot of many, there are many words to choose from, and they really probably, if you were to answer that, would depend upon your individual circumstances that you've experienced. Uh, there was one article that I read that says, by Jonathan Massey, that says, out of uh, the 470,000 words that are in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, uh, this guy believes that uh, the word yet is the most powerful. He believes this because when you add yet to the end of a sentence, you completely change the connotation of that sentence. Like, for instance, you can say, I don't understand it. But when you say, I don't understand it yet, that really changes it. When you add the word yet to the end of a sentence, you change the, the story, as he says, you are telling yourself. You change the story from, I like the necessary skill till it's only a matter of time until I acquire said skill. And that takes you from a fixed mindset into a growth mindset. That's his take on it. I like his take on the word yet, right? But I don't really consider yet to be the most powerful word. I've got my own opinion about that. In just a minute, I'll tell you. But many consider the most powerful word in the English uh, language would be this. No. No. It is a powerful word, is it not? That word no. I, I personally like the opposite of the word no, and that is yes. I, I like hearing yes much more than I like hearing no. However, when I do listen to the word no, quite often it opens up the opportunity to discover more about myself and to stretch me further. Yet, no, yes, they're all powerful words. And you could add many more to the list but I really think that maybe, in my opinion, one of the most powerful words that people struggle with is this one. Why? Why? We seem to learn this word at a very early age, do we not? Why is often the next word you hear when you give an explanation to a child? Why? Why can be a, a very habit-forming response to a command that is given. I, I personally like the answer that after my children used to say, why, I, I just say, because I said so, right? I mean, that just makes perfectly good sense to me, right? Why, however, can become a very puzzling word to us adults. You know, it's often sought after the answer to this to discover an explanation for some tragic events that happen in our lives. And to many, why is often asked of God when we're perplexed about what He is doing or not doing. Last week, we pondered some why God questions by looking at the first two verses of the book of James. You don't get too far into this very practical book before you run into questions 
having to do with why. Today I want us to look at one of those questions that you may have wondered about, and the question is, why does God test us? Why does God test us, me? Let me ask you this. Do you believe that God tests us? Do you? Do you believe that God places you in situations that will try you? There are many ways that God does test us. As the, I, I suppose there are probably as many ways that God tests us as there are people because we're all unique and I think God is testing us in unique ways to get us to where He wants us to be. Uh, it could be um, some of them probably very similar. It could be a test in our family as we work uh, or face some extreme pressure. Maybe the test is through a sickness, a suffering, a financial struggles, uh, family problems, or through loss. Well, the list could just go on and on as to how God tests us. And again, it would be very unique to your particular situation of who you are. Usually the test will come in an area that we are most vulnerable, often that which is very precious to us. Now, I've thought back about tests over my life, and I'll just be quite honest with you, and I'm not really talking necessarily about the tests that God has given to me, although I won't rule those out. I will tell you from my own personal experiences that I don't like tests. In fact, I just detest tests. I don't like them a bit. I uh, was much like this guy that I heard about, a young man who had just taken a test in one of his college classes, classes and got his grade, and he made a zero on the test. He went in to see the professor, and he argued with him. He said, Professor, I, I don't think I deserve this zero. And the professor said, Neither do I, but it's the lowest grade I had. For most of my high school and undergraduate classes, that was pretty much me. I didn't make zeros, but I'll tell you, I didn't pass with flying colors either. I won't tell you what my GPA was after the first three years of college. What is the purpose of a test? I think really... People today struggle with this. I'm talking about God's people here. We struggle and wrestle with the whole idea of taking a test, and we see it as a pretty difficult thing. For years, I thought the purpose of taking a test was all about checking the, the quantity of knowledge that had, I had inside of my brain. And quite honestly, I really had never considered that uh, a test could be anything more than this. And at times, I'd heard my teachers or professors say, a test is a learning tool. Oh, really? For me, too often, it did serve as a motivation to gain knowledge or to at least just enough to hold on to it long enough to take the test to get the grade. So I would... Do as some of you all have done. Cram the night, the hour before the test, 
And uh, when the test was given, within just probably a few hours or maybe a week, I couldn't tell you anything that I learned. Anybody guilty of that besides me? Yeah, there's about a fourth of us, and the rest of you are liars, probably. <laughs> Here's the reality, that when tests or trials come, there are many times that we just simply fail. We don't pass the test. Likewise, there are many times when we do pass and overcome the test, and we rejoice when that happens. Uh, let's just look at it this way. An example I thought was a pretty good example of how we should view things. If you're in school and you have a class, say in chemistry, and you make 90% on a test, most of us are pretty happy with that. In many schools, that's an A. It shows that we knew 90% of the material that was being tested on. But when we face trials and tests in our life and we score 90%, what that really means is there's something more that we need to realize. Have you ever thought about it that way? Don't celebrate the 90. Take a look at the 10 that you don't know. And too often I was guilty of that. <sighs> okay, what do I need to get a pass this this class you know if I walk out of here with a with a with a D that's good enough right really what I should have been looking at is what did I miss when it comes to our relationship with God a test is much more than just a measurement of what we know God is more concerned with the things that we don't know than when the th with the things that we already know. You, you see where I'm going with this? And that is one of the purposes that we have tests and trials to come in our, to our life. It's so that God is teaching us the things that we don't yet, I'll use that word, know. He wants us to mature in our spiritual life. So what does he do? He tests us. And testing is there to make us stronger. So does God test us? You better believe he does. But be careful here, because not every test comes from God. You see, some tests that we find ourselves in they're self-inflicted and have nothing to do with God, although He can still teach us when we're involving ourselves and, and, and we're messing ourselves up with those tests. He can still use that, but often it's because of what we have done that we find ourselves in a test. It's self-inflicted. Many times the tests are the result of bad decisions that have been made. Others are brought into our lives because we have people in our lives, our relationships. Or maybe it's our jobs that cause a test, or career that bring on all sorts of tests. There are many ways that 
God test us, as I've said earlier. He may use a test of family. Uh, might be extreme pressure that he wants us to be put under. Different things that could happen. A test or a trial, as James puts it, goes far beyond that measurement of knowledge. The test te teach us so much more. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, to James chapter 1. We'll do a quick review just of a few points from last week. James chapter 1 and verse 1. And James is writing this very practical book to a lot of believers, to, to the believers who are, un, that are undergoing trials and tests. And he says, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Now, we talked about this verse last year if you were here we said something about this idea of counting as joy it doesn't really seem to fit to think that we should count something as joy when it's a trial but James is saying we should and we identified uh, gave this definition to joy it's a supernatural delight that we may obtain as we experience trust and live in the person of God and what God's doing in and through us it's important to note here as we understand this particular definition that joy is not derived from ourself. It's not, it's not self-generated, but the joy comes from God. It's the work of God as we see His working in our life. And if you really uh, adhere to this definition, only God can bring joy. So when He says, count it all joy... He's saying, I should be happy about these trials that come. He's going to say that it's way better than just being happy. So let's kind of look at it again. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Now, let me just back this up and break it down a little bit. And uh, again, I apologize. I'm just kind of re uh, re re summarizing or going back over what I said last week about the idea of count it. It's the idea of consider it, about weighing it up. It, it's, it's to press your mind into it. It's to really just evaluate it and see how does this apply to my life. Now, stay with me. You can't come to a joyful conclusion about trials unless you start thinking about them. You have to press your mind upon it. You have to calculate when you're facing trials, it means that we take a step back and we, we begin to look at our experiences, even the negative ones, and we say, God, use this to help me grow, to mature more in, in my spiritual life. Ultimately, what is our goal? It is to be more like Jesus. So use this trial, this test in my life, so ultimately I will look more like Jesus. Even the difficult experiences. And then we're to be thankful for that. Not an easy task. I agree with that. We're to count it all joy when my brothers, when you, let's look at this next word, meet. 
In some translation, it says face or fall into. And that means what uh, that's really, it's tests and trials. What this is really saying, when we meet them, that just says that they're going to come up. Quite often, they come up when we least expected, coming from nowhere. Have you ever experienced that? I mean, you're going along in life, and things seem to be going pretty good, and out of nowhere, this huge problem comes up, and, and wow, I didn't see that coming. Takes us by surprise. Actually, I'm kind of grateful that I don't know of everything that's coming up, right? I think there's mercy in that. If I knew everything that's coming up, what would I do? I would just, I think I'd just sit in my house all the time. I'd be afraid to go out and do something. Let me try to stop life here because I know that I would just, try, I, I think we'd just wither away. So there's mercy in not knowing those things that, that God t sometimes allows to happen in our life that we are met with. And so what happens? What are we supposed to do when these trials seem to come out of nowhere? How, how do we respond to that? Well, I want to give you three suggestions. And again, it kind of goes back to the beginning of this verse. The first thing is to size up the situation. Let's count it. You start thinking, well, what's just happened to me? And really be very specific about what's going on. You can't really solve a problem until you identify what the problem is. So, you know, what is it that's happened to you? I, I lost my job. Uh, we don't have enough money to make it to the end of the month. Uh, my car's broken down. I, all of those could be considered a test. And it's probably good just to spend some time writing it down. What happened to me? It's important that we do this because I think our mind sometimes doesn't allow us to think of the specific. And what we end up doing is try to, we start thinking, oh, well, I just got to solve this or I just got to get out of this situation. And this forces us to say, what is the situation that we're trying to evaluate or get out of? And before we can get out of it, we need to identify what it is. We get so worked up really with if questions if we're not cautious well because this happened what if this happens and it just kind of starts going down this road of if questions and before you know it we're just really frustrated and broken so the first thing is to size up the situation and write it down and here's maybe a second suggestion that I think would be helpful come to the conclusion that God still wants me here. This is happening. I've identified what it is. I've got to go through this. I've been met with this trial. Well, God, there's some reason this is going on, and you still want me here in this moment. You've heard this before. As long as you're breathing, God has a purpose for you. As long as you have breath, God's got a reason for you to still be here. 
Maybe you've heard the phrase taken from a popular evangelistic track. I don't know if those are around anymore, but God loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life. That is very true. But maybe you have never thought about what that plan may be. Gordon MacDonald, who was a pastor, he's a Christian speaker, and he ultimately became dean of a uh, seminary. He writes the story from his days of running track. He goes like this. When I ran track, when I first ran track in prep school, my coach invited me to his home for dinner one night. And after the meal, he put me out a notebook with my name on the front cover. He turned to the back page, which bore the heading June 1957, three and a half years away. Gordon, he said, there are, these are the races I'm going to schedule you to run almost four years from now. Here are the times you will achieve. And MacDonald says, I looked at those times and thought, impossible. They were light years away from where I was at that moment as a runner. But then his coach began turning back the pages of that book, page by page, showing the 42 months he had scheduled for workouts. These were the graduated, accelerated plans for my increasing skill on the track as the months and the years would go by. He had a sense of direction and development when it came to my athletic growth. Don't you see that maybe you've watched over the years and God has this plan that he, he's going by and it may have taken you years to look back and say, well, now I see the purpose in that. I didn't get it at the time, but... Now I am much further along, I am much more mature because I have seen God who had this plan that He was working for in my life all the time. What's His purpose? What's your purpose? You know, sometimes when I think people, pastors, preach on this, that maybe some congregants think, well, surely He doesn't have a purpose for me to go into full-time Christian vocation. So I really don't have any purpose because I don't really feel he's leading me to do that. Uh, and to that I say, his purpose is not for everyone to go into Christian vocation, full-time pastoring or leading worship or whatever. I think quite often what we miss is that his purpose is carried out in everyday life. God still has a purpose for us in the workplace, in the home, as a grandparent, as a parent, as a friend. He has a purpose for us to carry out. And quite often, more times than not, it's in everyday life. And here's the third question, in the, form of, the third suggestion in the form of a question. How can what's happening to me Advance the purpose for why I am still here. You're still here. You're still breathing. God has a purpose to you, to it. You come to that conclusion. He still wants me to be here. And then you say, well, why is this? How can it advance the purpose for why I'm still here? Here's why you're still here. That's for every one of us. Okay, I'm, I'm talking to the church now. Do you know why you're here? I'm going to give you 
the same reason for every one of us. We're here to display the testimony of a life that's lived in Jesus Christ. It all fits to us. That's why we're His church. We are here to be a testimony. I'm going to give you scripture for it in just a minute, okay? So it's not just my opinion. We're here as a testimony of the life that is lived in Jesus. Now, you say, well, I, I, I can't do that. Well, I think often what we end up doing is forget we have resources. We have resources in God. We have resources in His Son, the way He lived His life. We have resources in the help that comes from the Holy Spirit who's walking with us, who's never leaving us, who's helping us. He is a resource to us. We have resources in the Word of God that He's given to us. We have resources in the fellowship, the church, to help us live out His purpose as a testimony to who Jesus is. That's why we're still here. Let me give you scripture to back this up. Matthew chapter 5, it's from the Sermon on the Mount. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. Okay, you see what's happened here. He said, you are the salt. Now he's saying, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bow. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone that's in the house. And then Jesus goes on, and he says this, verse 16. In the same way, let your light Shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now that pretty much sums it up, right? Says that while we're here, you have a purpose to display the light of the world to Jesus. So watch this. Let's go back to James. Count it joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter or meet trials of various kinds. Okay, you say, well, man, Steve, I hear what you're saying so far, but I'm still not too keen on this test deal, you know? Why does he just keep on giving me tests? I mean, why do I have to keep going through this? Why do I really want to go through what I've already been through at another time? Well, here's a reason for it, because if you don't learn it the first time, this is where it's coming to. James is writing to your situation. For you know that the testing, there it is again, testing. What's being tested here? I'm about to tell you. Your faith is being tested. And there are questions that come up with that. If you really start thinking through it. You know that the testing... Your faith is being tested. Well, that automatically starts thinking, well, wait a minute. I've got questions about that. How much do I trust God? How long do I trust God? 
Am I really sure about his promise? Wait a minute. This all has to do with faith being tested. Can I trust God with my faith? How, do I, how long do I, is this going to last? How long do I trust God? Am I really, really, really sure of his promises? You're being tested. It's a test. By the way, we all who are followers of Jesus Christ are tested. There's no exceptions to this rule. The question is, and it's important to note this, when you're being tested, do you recognize that it is, in fact, a test from the God that he's wanting to work in the test to get you to a different place? In other words, go back to what I said earlier, do you see that God is trying to get you to know the 10%? So when you're in the midst of trials and tests, and you feel like the world is caving in, now let me just stop. Let me just see a show of hands here. Have you been in the mess, in the, you can put it that way, in a mess? Have you been in the, in the midst of tests and trials in the past, and you really have felt like the world was caving in or something to that effect? Let me see your hands. The majority of us. The majority of us. When you're in that situation, and if you find yourself in that, well, let me, let me, before I go on and give you some other suggestions, let me back up to say, if you were in that situation and you raised your hand, let me see if there's a testimony on, did God see you through that? If he did, raise your hand. Okay, good, good. You've learned it. You've learned a lesson. Does that exempt you from tests in the future? I got news for you. No, it doesn't. Because as long as you have breath, guess what? You, I don't see any of you looking like Jesus just yet. So that means we got a ways to go, right? So when you're in the midst of tests and trials and you feel like the world's caving in, let me suggest some foundational questions to ask yourself. Now here's the first one. Do you believe God is in control? Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is in control? We were... It's funny how in my life group this morning, what Bobby Hamilton has been leading that life group while I'm still been recovering, and um, the, he's been using a, 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 a video presentation... And that was one of the points that the speaker was making this morning. Do you believe that God is in control? Now, I'm going to just say there's a lot of evil going on in this world today. There's a lot of just hurt that's happening. It seems like I see more hurt and heartache right now than I've ever seen in my life. Maybe I'm just exposed to it more, but there's just, I don't know, just a lot of folks that are going through troubles and trials. And so it'd be very easy to kind of get caught in this idea that, where are you at, God? Why aren't you under control? I mean, you know, everybody says that you're under, uh, you've got it all under control. But when it starts happening to you, um, 
I have a little bit of a black eye. Has anyone noticed? Yeah. Have you wondered what's going on with my eye? Well, Lynn and I were on a marriage retreat this past <laughs> We were, seriously. But she didn't give me my black eye, although she wanted to from time to time. I, I went to see my eye doctor, and she removed a place. And, and uh, we talked about this other eye that's been giving me problems. I've had four surgeries on it so far and it looks like I'm going to have another one in the very near future on this this eye right here it's from old age where my eyelid is in sun damage is drooping down and it it's, causes a lot of problems at any rate I said to her is there anything we can do about this and she has in times past said we've done about all we can do we don't want to do too many more surgeries on it but when I asked her this the other day, on Thursday, she said, um, yes, actually there's a new procedure. And she started telling me about this new procedure. And uh, she's going to actually make a sling for my eyelid. Okay, she's going to take a tendon from my, one of my hands and she's going to uh, put it in under my eyelid and, and attach it to the bone. And sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds like... So I said to her, is this going to be like, I've already, like I said, I had the surgery before. Uh, one surgery I had was when she actually sewed my eyelid, my eye together to bottom to the top. And it stayed that way for about a week. And I had to wear a patch and I couldn't preach that Sunday. And so I said to her, you know, uh, is this going to be as, uh, as uh, major of a surgery as um, the last one was? And she looked at me, she said, well, I really wouldn't call this a major surgery. Oh, and then she said, but I know it's major to you. You better believe if you're going to sew my eye shut, it's a major surgery to me, right? Yeah. She said, well, it's not as major, it's, but it is complicated for me. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel with that. <laughs> my point is this. When you're going through trials, you know, it may not be big to somebody else. But if you're going through it, it's big to you, right? What do you believe when you're going through a trial? Do you believe that God is still in control? Do you believe that nothing happens in the life of one of his children that he doesn't allow to happen? Do you really believe it? Or do you go like, well, all this stuff is wearing me down. God, been waiting for you to rescue me. Been waiting a long time. I guess you're not coming. So I guess I better start trying to deal with it. I think probably it's more like that than what we want to admit. 
but we got to fix it. God, you're not coming in like I want you to. God is in control. Amen? He rules this universe and far beyond this universe. He rules the heavens. He rules everything. And he is in control. The second suggestion or question that I think would be good to ask beyond do you believe that God is control is do you believe that God is good? Do you believe that all of his actions toward you are there to bless you and to bring goodness into your life? Do you believe that he's good? Even if it doesn't look like it, even if it doesn't appear so, his goodness says that he's not done yet. There's that word again. Yet. You might just have to wait a little longer. You might have to just get down the road a little bit longer. Let me give you the standard answer to you this question. And there is a standard. It's not my standard. It is God's standard. It goes like this. The standard answer, whether you want to believe it or not, is this. God is good. He is always good. He will never stop being good. Do you believe that God is good? So when the test comes, you say to yourself, God, you're in control, and God, you are good. Now here's the next question. It might be the hardest one. Are you willing to wait by faith until you see it? Are you willing to wait? You may be like, well, James, I believe God's still in control, and, but I'm not seeing it. Yeah, I, I believe God is good, but not experiencing that, but you're just not coming in on my timetable. And that's when the question becomes very critical, does it not? Are you willing to wait until you see it. So many people will say, no, not waiting. They use that powerful word of no to God. I'm going to take control of this thing. God, you're not addressing it the way I want you to. If it's going to be done, well, then it's up to me. Let me just tell you this. If you take that kind of attitude, you've just failed the test. You're getting in between what God wants you to be and what you want to be. And that's not a great place to be. Consider it joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith doesn't stop there, produces. This thing that we find ourselves in produces something. 
It's called, say it with me, steadfastness. Another word is perseverance. A descriptive word is it's a process of sticking with it or the ability to see it through. In a, in a word that we use in today's time in, in, in our culture and, and people are saying we need this and for adults and we need this for our children, it's called resilience. It is sticking with it. I'm going to stay on this road no matter what. I'm going to be steadfast until I begin to see it. I'm going to wait on God until he brings it true in my life. He said, if you really want to get to that point where you can do this, then you will allow those joy, those, those trials to bring joy in your life. And then there's another thing that happens out of that, which is really cool because it doesn't stop with just this, this steadfastness. It takes you further and let the steadfastness have its full effect on you that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If you want to get to perfect and complete and lacking in nothing, you've got to go through all those to other tests. You can't jump into it and skip a bunch of steps. You allow God to bring it. I mean, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. Are we there yet? No. Are we closer than what we were yesterday or last year? We should be. But are you just trying to get out of the test? I guess maybe there's one more question. It still is in the title here. One more answer that I should share with you. Why does God test us? Because he loves us. Because he loves us. We had our grandkids last night, two of them. It seems to be getting an every weekend thing. Stone and Finn were there last night. And we, uh, there are just some things that we just don't let them do at our house. Yeah? Now, I, I know grandparents are supposed to just spoil them and all that, right? Not at our house. Yeah. There are just some things that you, you're just not going to do. Uh, it's not to say that parents are doing a bad job I'm not saying that it's just they let them get away with things at their house that we don't let them get away with at our house okay it's this whole discipline thing why why do our parents discipline us in this case why do grandparents discipline children their grandkids simply because we love them right God tests us because he loves I'd much rather be tested because he loves me than to not be tested and do life the way I want to do it. Maybe that's what James is trying to get us to see. Here's what I do know. I'll close with this. About time anyway. God gives all of us tests. And there is 
a test that he gives to everyone at some point in their life. And there are only two answers to it. When God gives you a test, he asks you a question. He's already proven, I love you. Do you love me back? And are you willing to give me your life? There's the answer of no. And quite honestly, that's a very powerful answer. Because a no answer to God leads to a place that, let me assure you, you don't want to be. In this life or in the next life. And the other answer is the one that's opposite. It's a much better answer. It's yes. And that yes allows all of those promises to be fulfilled in your life. Now, isn't that a pretty good answer? Would you pray with me, please? Thanks for loving us, God. Thanks for loving us enough that you don't just let us go and do our own thing. That you're trying to shape us, you're trying to form us into looking more like Jesus. And Father, I pray if there's someone here that you're asking the question to, will you give me your life? Will you ask Jesus to forgive me of, my, of their sins? Will you accept me as the Lord of your life? That the answer today would be a definite yes. Maybe we're here, Father, and we have a test going on in our life right now good place to bring it before you is right here in this altar just to, to lift it up to you and say God help me to be patient to see what you want to teach me to be more like Jesus help me not to give up right now if you got reason here this morning to do some business here in this altar then in these moments I invite you to do it as we stand and as we sing here I am Humbled by your majesty Covered by your grace so free Here I am Knowing I'm a sinful Oh
just as I am Empty-handed but alive in your hands Here I am Humbled by the love that you give Forgiven so season um, that we see more young people have the opportunity to uh, be challenged and accept Christ in any other time of the year with vacation Bible school with our children's camps and our student ministry camps that are just a little more than a month away so uh, I do ask that you be praying uh, for for that and um, I want to draw your attention to something right now um, we, we last month, we did a, a prayer focus for the month, and so many people appreciated that and enjoyed that, and we felt like God moved in so many areas that we've put together another prayer focus month. So this is the month of May, and these are available just outside in the vestibule. Um, actually, our greeters, they're, they're going to be uh, handing those out as you leave. And uh, just some amazing things that maybe you wouldn't think about on a daily basis. Uh, to pray for so hey, I've asked one of our students Hayden Klett's going to come up and lead us in our prayers he makes his way up though if you will to grab one of those prayer focus forms and uh, and to be in prayer this month for all of those items hey I would uh, always take the opportunities to uh, brag on our students and I could spend the rest of the day bragging on each and every one of them 
But I do want to just take a moment. Hey, doesn't know I'm going to do this. But uh, this past week, Hayden was inducted into the National Honor Society, uh, which focuses on uh, character, leadership, service, and academics. And he has excelled in all those areas. And uh, I want you to know, if you made straight A's for four years of high school, you would earn a 4.0. Um, Hayden currently um, has a 4.36. Um, so I don't like you a whole lot. <laughs> and uh, so he has exceeded expectations uh, in every area while playing two full-time sports and every time our doors are open, you'll see Hayden's smiling face here. And so Hayden, uh, we appreciate you and, and I'm just honored to uh, be able to uh, have you be a part of our student ministry. Over the next couple of weeks, we're gonna be celebrating some more students who are gonna be graduating from high school. And uh, so I encourage you to be here. But Hayden, close us in prayer if you will. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this beautiful day, Lord, and thank you for bringing us all here together this morning to praise in your name, Lord. I pray, I thank you for Pastor Steve and his message that he provides us every morning, Lord. I pray that we can use what we learned this morning to improve our lives and improve the lives of others, Lord. I pray that we can be a, a shining beacon of your light, Lord. I pray that um, whenever we come across these tests and trials, Lord, that we can be ready, and I pray that we can seek your guidance, Lord, and I pray that we can trust you in these trying times, because, Lord, we all know that you are the one in control. Lord, I pray for the prayer request, Lord. I pray for anybody that needs your healing hands. I know there's lots of pain and suffering going across the world, Lord. I pray that you can be there for those people and give them the healing hand, Lord, that they need. We love you, and we thank you for all that you do for us. It's in your son Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hi, good morning. This is Kelly. I want to take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what? We would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request. We would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776-1807. One of her pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. And let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope. And you and I, we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us and he wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and uh, do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.